Hi, and welcome to the Canine Nation podcast. It's Monday, February 2nd, 2015. This is episode 103. Hi, I'm Eric Brad. I'm a dog trainer and a dog lover, and I've been writing about dogs and training for the last five years. I'm very pleased to share my articles here on the podcast with you. It's always been important to me to keep learning, so I scan the Internet for articles, I engage in some interesting discussions, and I have a library of books on dogs, behavior, and training that I'm slowly working my way through. This week's topic is close to my heart. I come from a technology background, so keeping things straight and orderly is important to me. So when I first learned about the operant conditioning model, as researched by B.F. Skinner and others, I spent a lot of time paying attention to just exactly how it worked and when it was appropriate to use it. Over the years, I've been involved in a lot of discussions where things have gone a little strange because perhaps people didn't have the same definition or understanding of operant conditioning that I did, and I wanted to explore that in the context of an article. This is my essay, Dog Training Disconnect, Misunderstanding Science. I frequently run into dog trainers that tell me that they use positive reinforcement. They don't. They think they do, but they don't. They can't. It's actually not possible to use positive reinforcement or any other of the quadrants of the operant conditioning model as defined in the behavioral research of B.F. Skinner, Keller Breland, and many others. It would be like saying that a criminal used murder to kill his victim. Perhaps we should start with a brief introduction for those who aren't familiar with the operant conditioning model. Operant conditioning is a behavior modification technique, and it defines behavior using two variables, whether the behavior increases or decreases as a result of the training, and whether something was added or removed from the trainee's environment during the training. It seems to be an unfortunate accident of history that some confusing terms were used to define these two variables. In the operant conditioning model, any behavior that becomes more intense, more frequent, or more likely as a result of the training is said to be reinforced, and any behavior that becomes less intense, less frequent, or less likely as a result of the training is said to have been punished. So, behavior increases indicate reinforcement, and behavior decreases indicate that punishment of the behavior has occurred. To make matters even more fuzzy, if you added something to the trainee's environment, like food or petting, that's called positive in the operant conditioning model. But it really means additive. And if you remove something from the environment, that's called negative in the operant conditioning model, but it really means subtractive. It's unfortunate that the initial researchers of operant conditioning chose to use words that already had common meanings slightly different from the way that they use them. Positive 
usually means something good or pleasant, and negative means kind of the opposite. Reinforcement is a pretty good term for describing what it does, but punishment is full of all kinds of meaning that doesn't really line up with what operant conditioning means to communicate. Here's an example. If I say that I trained my dog using positive punishment, someone unfamiliar with the operant conditioning model might think that I had reprimanded my dog in a cheerful or upbeat way, and they would not be surprised if the behavior I punished didn't actually decrease. That's because the common understanding of the words positive and punishment don't carry precise definitions. It's this linguistic fogginess that I believe is causing all kinds of problems in the dog world these days. The confusion goes beyond just the definition of the terms. There is also the problem of how the terms are used. The operant conditioning model can only work if you use it after your dog's behavior has changed in some way. In other words, you can't determine what aspect of operant conditioning has had an effect until after you have some change in your dog's behavior to examine. The basis of operant learning is dictated by results. Whatever happens as a result of the dog's behavior will determine if they are more or less likely to repeat the behavior. If the result was the addition of something that the dog wanted, it's likely, but not certain, that the behavior they just did will become more likely in the future. And that's an important distinction. We might intend to reinforce a behavior, but the results do not necessarily follow the intentions of the trainer. Some of the confusion comes from the fact that it is very likely that the rewards we try to provide to reinforce or increase a behavior are often successful. So it becomes a kind of shorthand to say that we use positive reinforcement when we mean that we gave our dog a reward in response to a behavior. The same is true if we remove our attention from our dog in order to decrease a behavior. We may fall into a shorthand by saying we use negative punishment to decrease the behavior. But here's the rub. What if what we did in our training doesn't exactly have the effect on our dog that we intended? What if I give my dog a yummy treat every time she comes to me when I call her name, but sometimes she responds to the call and other times she doesn't. If her recall never gets better, she doesn't come more frequently or consistently, have I really used positive reinforcement, or did I just give my dog a treat? According to the strict definitions of science, if the behavior didn't increase, it could not be positive reinforcement. The same is true if I tried to stop my dog from jumping up by yelling at her and pushing her down. I could say that I have used positive punishment because I added the yelling and pushing to try to reduce the jumping behavior, but if my dog continues to jump up with the same frequency, then I haven't punished the jumping behavior at all in behavioral terms, even though it was my intention to punish her for jumping up. Do you see the confusion here? The last 15 years or so has seen a tremendous push to change how we think about dogs and dog training. A large part of that effort has been the introduction of animal and behavioral sciences to the dog training and dog owning communities. In our haste to advance, we may have just caught ourselves in a trap of our own making.
Perhaps we have simplified things too far. So far, in fact, that discussions and debates are arising about the usefulness and validity of operant conditioning itself. Many times these discussions can seem like arguments over religion, the equivalent of how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. In all of it, one very important point can get overlooked. The usefulness of operant conditioning, at least as I learned it, for dog training, is that it is a remarkably effective forensic tool. That is, it's a great system for helping us analyze how behaviors come about or diminish. Once I choose to begin referring to operant conditioning terms and quadrants as if they are my intentions, that usefulness begins to break down. The reason is simple. Just like the examples I provided earlier, sometimes our intentions in training do not match the results. If I make the claim that I will use positive reinforcement to train a behavior and that behavior does not increase, then I have created a paradox. I may have indeed added rewards to our training session, the additive property of positive in the operant conditioning model, but the behavior did not increase, so it cannot be reinforcement. Trainers often use the shorthand of saying that they will simply employ positive reinforcement for a simple and logical reason. They have used certain training techniques in the past, and these have produced behaviors by positive reinforcement. Even so, that past exercise does not guarantee that future uses for different behaviors or even with different dogs, will produce the same results. So, am I just splitting hairs here? Well, yes and no. I have a number of dog training colleagues with whom I can have conversations where we use this kind of shorthand without confusion. We are all on the same page and all have the same basic understanding of the behavioral science and animal learning. We all know what we mean. But here's the trap that I referred to earlier. Not everyone in the dog world is on the same page regarding behavioral science and animal learning. So when someone like myself, who's been using this kind of training for 13 years, has a conversation with someone new to the science and methods, things can get confusing. Unfortunately, most, if not all, disagreements I see between trainers can be traced back to different levels of understanding of the science or the incorrect use of the terms for the concepts they are trying to discuss. The sciences of operant conditioning, classical conditioning, ethology, animal learning, and biology are complex, and all of them should inform how we live and work with our dogs to a greater or lesser degree but we do ourselves no favors by using shortcuts and shorthand in our effort to make our point quickly. Sometimes it just takes time and effort to explain what we mean. I have talked before about the need to use scientific terms in their proper context and using their proper definition. The positive training community is growing rapidly and, like a game of telephone, as these concepts and techniques get passed from one dog trainer to another, it seems that the meanings are getting jumbled up, and nothing good will come from many people using the same words to mean different things. 
The most obvious example of this problem that I see is operant conditioning. It's a framework designed to be used to determine how and why behavior happened. That's past tense. So all of this talk about why you can't use positive reinforcement to teach good performance and agility, or that we should never use negative reinforcement to address behavior issues, should just stop. Operant conditioning is neutral. It tells us what happened so that we can adjust how we are training and be more effective. I may intend to use positive reinforcement to teach a dog, but if I do my training in an area that she finds scary, I may actually end up with less of a behavior than when I started. And that is positive punishment. As good trainers, we should be talking about operant conditioning in the proper context, one that helps us define what happened from the observed results of our training session, not what we intended or wanted to happen. Misrepresenting the science doesn't do anything good. We confuse each other, we get frustrated when we think the science doesn't work, and critics of this kind of training just have more to criticize. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. Canine Nation is a series of essays and articles that I've written to help dog trainers and dog owners get a better understanding of how to go about communicating with their dogs and develop better relationships. These articles are featured at the Life is a Human online magazine. You can find them there at caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. The Canine Nation website at caninenation.ca contains a full archive of all of the articles we've written thus far, as well as an archive of all of these podcasts. You can listen to them online, or you can download them. Our podcasts are also available for subscription through iTunes. Don't forget to check out the Canine Nation eBooks available from Dogwise, Amazon.com, and other eBook retailers. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. We have our own Facebook page, and we also offer a Canine Nation forum discussion group where you can join others and discuss the articles or any topics relating to dogs, behavior, or canine science. Thanks for joining me here on the Canine Nation podcast. I hope you find it valuable and you'll share it with friends, family, and other dog lovers. That's it for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.